Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry. And of course, this is my co-host. You sounded like you weren't so sure there for a second. I uh, don't always I, know everything about... <laughs> I'm Chris Huddleston. Today, we're both very excited to be talking to you about, I don't know when it was, but it's part of the Alien franchise, Alien 3, or if you read it technically, Alien Cubed. That's true, yeah. Here, in a world where the sun burns cold, and the wind blows colder, a visitor has come. But not by herself. It started. Come on! The suspense is back. And we have no weapons of any kind. The fear is back. Don't look back, dude! Run as fast as you can! And most of all, the bitch is back. Alien 3. Do you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Huddleston? I do. It's IMDb's synopsis. Returning from LV-426, Ellen Ripley crash lands on the maximum security prison Fiorina 161, where she discovers that she was unwittingly brought along has unwittingly brought along an unwelcome visitor. That's kind of a clunky yes. with the numbers in there and everything. So it's a uh, it's a David Fincher movie, uh, Sigourney Weaver, Charles L. Dutton, S. Dutton, and then a bunch of British people uh, from 1992. A bunch of British people that I think audience today would recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, and that have gone on to do some other high-profile stuff that you go, oh, that's the guy from, oh, he was in, you know what I mean? So I, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting now to rewatch this movie and see the talent that has gone on to do some even higher-profile stuff since then. But it does yeah. feel like it was shot in um, the U.K. on the sound stages there, and they just cast a bunch of local. I mean, I don't mean to sound disparaging. They do a good job. They're talented actors, but at the time this was made, they were unknowns mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. I think. I don't know. I'm saying this authoritatively as though I know. I don't really know that much about this movie. But, so Alien, this is the third installment of the Alien franchise. Of course, Alien, uh, Ridley Scott film, was is a modern science fiction classic. Mm-hmm. That was 79? 79, I think, yeah. Um, and then uh, the sequel to that, Aliens, was a... Um, oh, help me out. I had a James beer, so I, Cameron. Yeah, James Cameron. James Cameron He's done film. Some, 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 a lot of indie films here and there. Yeah, you may not have heard. Of I mean, indie he, filmmaker yeah, he's, James Cameron. He's he's not a household. <laughs> but he's not that well known. But speaking of which, um, 
uh, I'm getting off track here, but before we finish, I want to talk about uh, Avatar The Way of Water, which is okay. now on HBO Max or just yeah. Max. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, and I started watching a little bit of it, and I'd love to, to sure. chat about that a tiny bit. I've only It's a long movie, and I'm only about 20 minutes into it. I've but. not seen it. Well, you should take a peek. I mean, I don't have the full 3D rig, of course, and I think that's probably the biggest selling point of it. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I kind of missed out by not seeing it in the theater. I, I feel like it. We'll get to it, but I feel like it yeah. probably loses a lot at home. Yeah, and and for whatever reason, I didn't leap out of my chair and run to go see it. So mm-hmm. what's that about? I don't know. Um, yeah. Anyway, Alien 3 felt to me i'm sorry i just grabbed the wheel why don't you mm-hmm. go i i have seen this but it's been a long time oh i took myself sorry i went down the wrong hole don't oh. do that you start you go ahead time. no i'm always talking about everything no you go that hurt you're injured all right I, yeah, I will i'm injuring myself um alien is a sci-fi classic <laughs> i think aliens is also a sci-fi classic and the brilliant thing about it as a sequel, handing it to James Cameron, he he made it an action movie. So mm-hmm. I think that Alien is a good old monster in the dark, afraid of the dark horror movie set in space. And Aliens is a sci-fi action shoot 'em up. Sure, it's scary, and sure the monsters are horrific, but it's. In 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 that in the in the sense of the shape of it, I feel like it's a, a little closer to like, uh, um, can't remember anything. What was the the one about the bugs? It's the jingoistic thing when they battle. Oh oh, Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. It, it's more about you know space soldiers versus the alien horde do you um, think let me stop you there for one for one second because i don't want to get away from that um a couple of things in there uh one so i've always preferred alien to aliens i mean i'm not mm-hmm. saying aliens is bad but uh one can you think of any other franchise where like the first movie was directed by a top-notch director and then the second movie was directed by a top-notch director you know i mean uh and then also starship troopers is one that would be interesting to do sometime because mm-hmm. that's a movie that it's a satire but a lot of people didn't get that it was a satire they just it was like cool let's kill stuff and was aliens the you know is there a jingo as jingoistic aspect to that like starship troopers or was that meant to not be any in any way satirical i don't Which i don't know the answer to that question but i personally my opinion would be that it's not that it differs mm-hmm. in that way that star troop star 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 trip shoopers uh star trip now starship troopers un- Yes, I can't unsay it. Uh, was so overtly political and satirical mm-hmm. that um, that I feel like the kind of gross factor of that was, in some ways, I interpreted it as the filmmaker's outrage at the political commentary he was making. Um, that he was literally ripping people apart. It was really gross. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and similarly, it, RoboCop from Verhoeven also, you yes. know, also. A so satire. I think that's yes, I think that's part of the filmmaker's thing. But the violence mm-hmm. is is 
there's a I sense this is all my opinion. I feel that there's an undercurrent of like, oh, this is what you want. This is you know, are you not entertained here? Look, his head explodes. Are you happy now? Mm-hmm. Um, there's almost an outrage to it. I think um, James Cameron does dabble with political statements in his filmmaking. I think they're much more subtle. I think they're in this. They're baked into the stories he chooses to tell. And first and foremost, he tries to make an entertaining film. Mm-hmm. And I again, I want to drop another pin in Avatar because that's what he's sure. been doing for the past three thousand years, and it's I'm finally getting a look at it, and I have feelings about it. Um, uh, I can't think of another. I, I don't know that my movie knowledge has the depth and breadth to like really answer that question, but. I think the studios were smart in taking a sequel of such a unique property. I mean, you can't really just continue that story mm-hmm. as is. You have to do something new with it. And I I think the studios were smart enough to say, why don't we give it to somebody really good and let him off the leash a little in terms of, you know, how would you make this interesting for yourself? And And like having... I mean, we haven't seen it yet. It's not out yet. But um, like having James Mangold pick up Indiana Jones, I think that just feels like it's not that he's incapable of making a bad movie. He could. But I think it's such a smart choice Mm -hmm. to say, you know, who can we trust? They're not going to give it to somebody they don't trust. But who can we trust to be true to all the things it needs to be but also – breathe some fresh life into it. And I think James Mangold is a director that has proven again and again that he can make successful, exciting, well-received, entertaining movies and hit all those marks. So I have high hopes for this new Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, I'm just digressing all over the place. Uh, anyway, so what we've... I don't know the story between two and three. I think the success of the first two films pretty much dictated that they were going to make another film. And in some ways, this film, Alien 3, conforms to a pattern that we just dis- we just discussed in uh, Indiana Jones, which was you kind of go back to a lot of the elements of the original thing, where it's a single alien instead of a horde of aliens, it's uh you know it's picking them off one at a time they're in an isolated place and there's the sort of it it does carry on some of the themes from the second one the theme of motherhood comes up that we introduce when when Ripley meets the little girl in the second one so they carry on that sort of theme of motherhood in some messed up ways i mean i think it's hammy at the. We, by the way, we spoil all these. So if you haven't seen Alien Three yet, sorry. Uh, but you know when the, when the alien yeah. bursts out of her and she cradles it like a newborn, you know, I thought that was pretty messed up. I, mm-hmm. I in general, I think this is the weakest of the first three. Sure. Um, for a number of technical reasons, but the, it has moments that I thought, well, that's kind of inspired, you know. Mm-hmm. And that that moment, as sort of shoehorned in as it was, felt kind of, you know, balls out in a way that I thought, 
that's memorable. I'll remember that one. Um, it, it, uh, it feels like they were ending the series, right? Ripley dies. Yeah. It seemed like they were trying to. All the people that sort of escaped from the second one die. Um, it, I, you know, I think that she is the most interesting thing in this film. Like Sigourney Weaver is just compelling on screen. She does her job. She shows up. She's made choices. You know, there's stuff going on behind her eyes. Like there's a scene in which, so she's pretty coy. She resists telling them why she wants to do an autopsy of the kid and why she's sniffing around, right? And why she's so clearly concerned. Um, in a way that I thought was a little unbelievable. I mean, I thought, it, you know, they wouldn't necessarily use violence on her, but you would pin this person down to be like, what? <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. What is it? What you're you're clearly concerned about something. You've said contagion, right? We need some answers right now. And everybody's very polite about it. They're like, oh well, I guess she'll tell us when she feels like she's no. Come on. Um there's a scene in which um the doctor is describing what they found. The a person ends up dead and they found he's like, there was a mark and She's there's sort of a three quarters profile shot of her, and he says there was a weird mark in the in the tube, and she looks up, and then he talks about it. It was it looks almost like a acid burn or something like you saw on the ship, and she looks up a second time directly at him, and it's just beautiful little bit of nonverbal acting that Sigourney Weaver is doing that is compelling. And you can say, well, that's a very simple moment, but it, it, it was it's gripping. It 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 had me riveted. I I think if she for what, if she hadn't been in this, this movie wouldn't have flown at all. Yeah, and I I think you sit through it because she is so compelling. Um, there's echoes of, and I know I'm just steamrolling ahead, so jump in here no, if anything fine. I say resonates. But um, there's echoes of the thing. Right, the mm -hmm. thing, yeah. it, the thing, sort of gets the a dog is the first host, and um, so this was confusing. In the opening sequence, we have some shots that look like the face hugger is on a human, and and we find out later that it's on Ripley somehow. But her space thing isn't compromised, mm -hmm. so you think, well, how? Right. Yeah. I don't and then we really. and then there is a living face hugger still in the thing, but they die after they impregnate a thing. Mm -hmm. yeah, so we see it attack the dog that somebody inexplicably has on this penal colony out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, which I thought was sort of reminiscent of that the was thing. definitely echoed echoed the thing. Yeah. yeah. And so in in the alien effect is a guy in a suit, which feels distinctly low rent compared to. It moves differently, and she makes a comment about it. Well, this one's different. I haven't seen one like this before, right? That we find out more about in, in subsequent Alien franchise films, Covenant, that they take sort of different shapes based on the host. But I don't think that that is something that we have dipped into prior to this chronologically, which I thought was kind of interesting. It doesn't get into the xenomorphs. They don't talk about it. It's just a monster 
It's just killing people. I think the um, convicts are singularly uninteresting. They're all rapists and murderers, but none of them seem particularly threatening. I mean, Ripley has so much gravitas. Like She has seen it all, and she has mm-hmm. beaten alien monsters. These guys do not scare her. Um, There's one scene where they... There is one scene where they they're going to rape her, her, and then Charles S. Dutton... Kind of, they're all kind of scared of him, and he comes in and starts beating on them, and then they back off, you know, and then that's right. kind of it for her being, yeah, and, and kind that of is a, from them. That's a, you know, that's a scene that I feel like if you're gonna do it in this reality, you have to have that scene. That she's gonna get attacked. They, yeah. they, they say, oh, this is, a, it's a, it's a penal colony full of Y Y chromosomes, right? So like. Uh, uber alpha males like crazy genetic anomalies that have two Y chromosomes and they're crazy roid rage <laughs> monster men. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's the first woman any of them have seen in, in decades. So you're going to have to have that scene. And I thought that scene was done. Um, you know, it was scary. Yeah, scary it was. Scene. But she still didn't seem... She didn't seem scared walking around among them. And I, mm. I, I think I think that was the right choice for her as an actor. I think as a director, you'd need to try and wait the it need to, I feel like the audience needed to feel they for the most part those convicts didn't feel like they were much of a threat to Ripley, really. Um, I don't know. That was my take on it. Anyway, I, I've I've been talking forever. You talk for a while. So this was the only film in the franchise and you know that includes Prometheus that we've talked about before that you know that we both liked and Did then also Prometheus? the I mean we didn't actually specifically review it. it but we've talked about it here and there you know in in episodes um and also the you know I guess in the franchise you have to count the the aliens versus predator movies which those are hot garbage but I guess um, but uh, do you really though? Just because there's I aliens in them? I mean, do I don't know do? if it counts. I don't count I don't know if it counts or not. But anyway, I've seen everything except this is the only one that I had ever not that I had not seen. And my kind of understanding was that it that it flopped. But I went and looked at the box office numbers, and it's kind of interesting when you look. Each film made more than the last one did. Yeah. So this one made more than the second one, and made more than the first one, and. Um, then the next one, the, the whatever it is, Resurrection or whatever, uh, it made even more than this third one. So not a ton more, but um, so I thought that was kind of interesting because, like I say, I always thought because no one seems to like this one very much, uh, and that's kind of why I stayed away from it. Did you? Um, did I like it? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll get to that here in a minute. But, All right, get uh, to it. Uh, but. Um, you know, it has the we we talk about, you know, the two directors and at the time it wouldn't have really been known that David Fincher would go on to be as good a director as he is. And and for me, uh, Seven and Fight Club and The Game are all three of the best movies of the 90s. I love all of those movies. So, you know, he went on to be a really, really great director. But before this, he he'd done a ton of big music videos for Madonna and George Michael and, you know, uh a bunch of people, but 
with this one, and my understanding is this movie was sort of taken away from him, that there was a lot of... Uh, he's been pretty outspoken about that he was not happy about this. This wasn't happy, an enjoyable experience for him. And I think, like, almost to the point of he was ready to quit filmmaking, you know, wow. before it almost even started. Um, So who knows what, you know, if he would have been able to do exactly the movie he wanted to do, you know, how it would have turned out. And, and for the record, we watched just the theatrical version of this. There's a director's cut, but it was like 15 or $20 to watch it. I thought, oh, the heck with that. And it's another 30 minutes or something. And I've heard pro or, and con, some people say the director's cut is better. Some say the, the, uh, you know, the, the standard theatrical one is better, but with this movie, it's just, and I, I talked before about the, you know, my kind of rule of franchises is where they get funny as they go along. This one's not funny at all. This is a no. really dour movie and you know, everything is gray. The, the, the prison place that they're, you know, that they're at is gray. They all dress like the, uh, you know, in the Matrix when they're in the real world and they have the tattered gray clothing and they eat gruel and everything. You know, it's all like that. There's no color in anything. Um, everything is either it's gray or there's and it. You know, this kind of went on to be sort of uh, Fincher's look in those other movies that I mentioned where, you know, it's kind of sepia tone a lot of the time almost, or, you know, like kind of a yellowish color, but I just kept thinking, you know, even in real life prisons, there's some color here and there, you know, people put, they put posters up in their cells and stuff. You know what I mean? I don't know. That was definitely a stylistic thing, but it's just, you know what I mean? It was just like, so dour. And then you have, and nothing against them, as you said, uh, uh, you know, the, a lot of these British actors went on to big careers, but you have Sigourney Weaver, who is American, or I, th I think maybe she's actually Canadian, but, um, and Charles S. Dutton, who's American. And then the rest of it, it's, it's a, it's a British film essentially. And I, I, you know, I can't imagine with not that Americans hate British actors or anything, but. I don't, I can't imagine that that connected with audiences a whole lot in 1992. Um, but you know, it's a lot of basically just these guys yelling at each other. You know, that's a lot of the movie. And, um, you talked about the, the, you know, the guy in the suit with alien with the alien, but you also have a lot of this, is probably the first of in the series where they used any CG and it's a lot of, not ready for prime time CG. No. I mean, it's it's pretty laughable. It's either um, a dude in a suit that doesn't look like the fully detailed xenomorph suit. It looks like he's got a xenomorph head, and he's basically wearing a you know Mister Goodbody unitard. Yeah, it, it's not great, and or it's a hundred percent early stage CG, and you just go, "Whoa, that looks like garbage." Yeah. And, you know, the the alien design from H.R. Giger or Geiger, I've never known how to say it, is such a I mean, that guy was such a sort of a mad genius and, you know, yeah. easily one of the greatest uh, creature designs in the history of film. 
And in those first two movies, you know, the Xenomorph is horrifying. And in this, you just kind of laugh at it. Right. Uh, you know, when you see it scurrying around in the, in the CG, you know, um, and I just kept thinking, you know, it's almost sort of like, uh, at this point, the Xenomorph is almost sort of like, uh, you know, the villain from a slasher movie, like a Jason Voorhees or a Michael Myers or something where it's like, okay, we've now have a third movie where it's just be people being killed by the Xenomorph. And it's not even like if they'd been a little bit creative with what the Xenomorph is doing, but a lot of times it's, it's off, off screen when it kills somebody, you know, or, and we don't, don't care about the victims. The, the, yeah. The, you don't the care about them. Prisoners. You can tell in the script that there's some, there's supposed to be some delineation of this guy versus that guy, but it all bleeds together. You don't, you don't care about any of them. You don't get attached to any of them. Um, and that's why I think, you know, I was thinking a lot watching this. You have, um, you know, all of these studios now, they want to make everything into a a giant franchise. And I forget what I what I read the other day. I wish I could remember exactly what it was. But some movie that is kind of like a standalone thing, but the studio is talking about, making a whole universe with it. Well, I feel like uh, Prometheus, you know, I feel like Ridley Scott was was very smart in that he went in a different direction and didn't just make another movie that was just about the Xenomorphs, and it made a lot of money. It made twice as much as... Uh, so I think the... Prior to that, the most that any had made was like under two hundred million. Yeah. And Prometheus. Now, obviously, this is a long time later, so you know, just for inflation and everything. But Prometheus made over four hundred million dollars, which in the nineties or the eighties would have been viewed as a hit. But it, but today, when everything has to make a billion dollars, it was viewed as a disappointment. And there were a lot of you know they felt like a lot of the audience was just like, well, we just wanted to see the xenomorph killing people again. And so they kind of split the difference with the next one with Alien Covenant, um, where they, you know, they tried to have it be partly in the foot of the Prometheus world, but also, hey, let's have Xenomorphs in it again. And to me, this is a a franchise where you really can kind of do that universe and expand out. But but I apparently the audience just this is what they want is this the xenomorph killing people i think the problem with this franchise if you can call it a problem is that alien alien is such a singular vision and it really Mm -hmm. is i mean it's a it's a wonderful horror movie it's the monster in the dark and he does all kinds of things to twist it. They they land on the planet. There's a mysterious alien ship. There are those weird eggs. The thing comes out of the face hugger comes out of the egg and wraps around. I mean, all of this is horrifying body horror stuff. He wakes. They get it. Let's go of him. Right. And he's hungry as hell and he's eating all the stuff. And then the alien bursts out of his chest and begins picking off the crew one at a time right that's it that's the movie it's absolutely terrifying you never really get to see the whole 
creation of it. And Giger was making all of these designs before. Like I, Ridley Scott was like I, something like what this artist is doing, you know? Yeah. So there's so much specificity in it, and it isn't really about the monster, right? The monster is just killing. It's just a predator. We don't know anything about its history or its lore or the motivations are basically it's born and it is killing these lower life forms, right? It's on a ship that it doesn't control. I mean, I'm not apologizing for the xenomorph, but Mm -hmm. that's all they do. Yeah. They kill. They don't like if you left a bunch of them alone, they wouldn't develop art and science and build a society, right? They're just probably not. They're just animals that kill other life forms. That's all they do. Um, and so there's not a lot. You can, so It's smart to go if you have to make a sequel to that, the idea of like, okay, now we're going and there's an infestation. There's a bunch of them. One cockroach is scary. A thousand cockroaches is scarier in a different mm-hmm. way. The third one, we'll go back to form. It's a closed box. There's one thing, right? We're going to put some twists on it. But we've seen that movie. Yeah. Right? You already made that movie. So they keep trying to like, and people like that movie. They keep trying to like, okay, now we're going to have it fight the Predator. Now we're going to, that's not, those things aren't what made Alien such a great movie. So I love that Ridley Scott went and made Prometheus and explored because he had this universe in his mind, Mm -hmm. right? And he got into David and the artificial intelligence, which I always thought was one of the most interesting parts of the original Alien movie. Yeah. Was this artificial crew member who is working for the corporation that owns it, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And the history of David and of Wayland, uh, those are my favorite parts of those films. Yeah. But, you know, as much as I admire Ridley Scott and his absolute genius, one of the things that I, nobody, uh, finds a little frustrating about Ridley Scott is he is he knows what side his bread is buttered on. So if this he has said this explicitly, you know, the studio is gonna pay me a large, large amount of money to do the thing that I love to do. And so if they say more mustard, <laughs> I'm going to give them more mustard. That's mm-hmm. my job. Right? Yeah. And I think what I, I get it, I get it, but the studios are not artists. The studios are business people. They want to squeeze as much money out of a thing as they possibly can. And you don't get seminal, groundbreaking films like Blade Runner, like Alien, if you let the studio make too many decisions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think yeah. in the case of Star Wars, it's a good thing that the studio was like, okay, George, <laughs> rain it. You have to rein it in a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Because George Lucas has some terrible instincts in terms of storytelling. So you do need, I mean, I think it can be good if the studio is a set of rails, but if you let them in, they're like, okay, we, she needs to have bigger tits and we need a kid in here. And there needs to be some group, everything. Yeah. There needs to be, you know, there needs, exactly. You, You start to be like, all of this specificity gets diluted down to this kind of general crowd pleasing baloney 
we've talked about the Netflix movies where they feel like that doesn't make anybody by happy. an AI, you know? Right? Yeah, people are watching it, but nobody's really enjoying. It. I mean, this is forgettable, and mm. the, the studio may say, "I don't care." I mean, as long as people are watching it, that's our goal. But yeah. that's not how to make art. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing I think is, and a, a couple of points there. So one. To your Indiana Jones point that, you know, with Last Crusade, they went back to kind of the original formula. The big difference there is that, like you're saying, in the Indiana Jones movies, you have interesting characters. You know, you don't just have any. I mean, obviously, it's Indiana Jones, but you have some other interesting characters in there. Basically, with this Alien franchise, I would argue until you get to Prometheus and you have David, you've got Ripley, basically. Not that. You know, but and I don't know how many times I've seen the original Alien several times, and I can't tell you most of the other character names. You know, right. um, so you I know, think, again, you're think, just rehashing that thing. I think Wayland is interesting. Yeah, but you've got you've got Ripley, and the robots are interesting. The robots are interesting. I was going to say, until you get to David, it's just Ripley and everybody else is cannon fodder. I mean, everybody mm -hmm. else is just there to get eaten. And the robots are interesting. Ian Holm is interesting. And um, what's his name? Uh, oh. can't believe I'm not remembering his name. I'll look it up here. He's in this. Lance Hendrickson. Is, Lance Hendrickson, is, yeah. Is in this one, too. Um, and he's interesting also, but I don't think until you get fast benders, David, you get inside the head of the robot. Mm -hmm. And if David is kind of a unique, um, and remember the Prometheus one is a prequel to this, right? Yeah. So in some ways, David is <laughs> what makes David so terrible is that Wayland created him to be too human. Subsequent robots are sort of stepped on, right? Like like in Blade Runner, subsequent the subsequent replicants are like, well, we don't run because <laughs> we do what we're told, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, 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 the earlier models are too human and they they stepped it down a little bit. Um Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's a Ripley series. It's the alien is interesting. It's very one note, and then you have Ripley, and then you've got the synthetics that have something with which they're struggling, and everybody else is just dog food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if we decide to do any more of them, so there's resurrection. I mean, they literally bring her back from the dead. Yeah, right? she yeah. dies in this one. The end. Oh, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen that one a long time, 20 years ago, and it's it's not great either. But again, and it made more money. Than, it's kind of interesting that sort of these ones that most people agree are not very good, they they still did well. So um, now yeah. upcoming, there is a there's going to be a, a series and I don't think there's been really anything revealed about it other than I, I think it. It it's it's another you know a different time so it doesn't have anything to do with Ripley, uh, as far as I know. But it's by the guy. Have have you watched any of the um, the Fargo 
show? Have you watched any of those? No, and I've been so, told to many times. I watched the first season, which is really good, and then it's you know it's I think there's three seasons, and each one is completely you know is a completely new story, completely different story. So the showrunner for that is who is doing it, and that guy is really talented. So it it could be interesting, you know, assuming he's given kind of free reign to do. I I I would be. I kind of highly doubt that that it's going to be eight or ten hours of the alien, the, the xenomorph killing people, you know. So it it could be interesting, um, but you know, uh, it depends on how they go with it. If they yeah. think that audiences that, that that's all audience want to wants want to see is the xenomorph killing people, then that could be kind of dull. But well. It's how you it's how you go with it. I think in um, what's the Covenant is that the sequel mm-hmm. to so Prometheus we get a dabble and even in this one we get a tiny dabble in it that somehow the the face hugger comes out of the egg and it looks pretty much like it looks, but the the second stage of the xenomorph that develops in the host is a, is somehow affected by the host so the dna of the host affects the final version of this thing in in prometheus the thing the big tentacled thing that attacks the first engineer is unlike anything that we the xenomorphs we see other times and then the xenomorph i mean they're all different shapes and sizes it's like they are that sort of black goo is a genetic cocktail that perverses whatever genetic material it gets from its host and we see that in Covenant that there's a sort of David's workshop is all of these. He's tested it on bugs and all different life forms and the resultant perversions that the black who causes until he feels like he has sort of, quote unquote, perfected the, the final version of it, which is the xenomorph. I think that's interesting. I think that's mm-hmm. interesting to play with. Well, what is this stuff and why did they create it and how does it work? And to what end? I mean, I think that's where the future of this franchise lives is now that we've cracked it open, it's the sort of exploration of the origin story of this whole. I saw something online. It's like, who created the creators? And on and on and on and on. And mm-hmm. I think that if you were just going to do a series where it was a xenomorph killing people on different settings, it's just. Yeah. I can't imagine that's what it's going to be, but we'll see. That was one of the problems I had with Stranger Things. I think that first season of Stranger Things is absolutely electrifying. Mm-hmm. And I think two is less so, and three is less so, and four is less so, and five kind of returns to the origin story of like, well, what is this upside down, and where did it come from, and how does it rate to relate to 11? Right. And I said to a friend of mine who hasn't seen any of it, he's like, is it worth watching? I think it's, I said it's definitely worth watching. I think you should watch season one. If you like season one, as far as I'm concerned, you can go ahead and skip to season five. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and th- there'll be and a I recap. I actually did of, that. We'll, we'll, <laughs> I wasn't the friend that you're talking there'll about. There'll be a I recap did. of two, three, fours. Like, oh, mm-hmm. well, this one it's smoke, and this one it's. It doesn't matter. They're, yeah. they're just kind of they're feeling around in the dark, and it doesn't really go anywhere that you care about until season five again. I mean, not that there mm-hmm. aren't moments. There's some highlights, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. They just seem so desperate to can't reboot existing properties. I'm like, spend your time and energy can't finding the new storytellers. Right? Find the new Ridley Scott. Mm-hmm. Take well, a leap on these new filmmakers, man. And and we have the whole writers guild strike is still going on. I don't know how many weeks into this they are. Right? They don't even want know. to pay the people that write the content. It's like yeah. So, I mean, they're gonna really, I'd say, try to uh you know let ai write the stuff you know and you're gonna get i mean the ai is getting on the one hand i'm not totally against the ai i'm I'm using it in my work a lot but uh it's here and it's happening it's here and it's happening but you're i mean if you just want which the studios seem to be fine with more stuff like you know we criticize the netflix films if you just want more formulaic stuff and then you don't need writers, I guess. You know. But audiences uh, don't ultimately want that. I mean, that might be what sells a summer blockbuster. People just want to go turn their brain off and watch whatever. But that's not art, guys. No. And they know it. Yeah. I know it's a business to the studio. And I hate that business. idea of... of turning your brain off. Because when you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars... You know, it's like they're saying the... When all is said and done, the uh, and you know we're both excited for it, so hopefully it's good. But this new Indiana Jones movie, all told, is going to be like three hundred million dollars they yeah. have in it. So yeah. why do you skimp on the writing? There's the money to spend on good writing, you know. Yeah, writing know. is actually the cheapest it. part of it. Yeah. Um. um so I don't know. Do we want to wrap up Alien and then talk about other stuff? Because I, sure. it, it's, I don't know. Would you recommend it or? I mean, I didn't. I didn't crave turning it off. Uh, it's okay. I think if you're a diehard of the thing and you know you want to, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, thumb sideways. I guess I'm. I didn't feel so negatively about it that I'm like, don't watch this, people. But it's hard for me to be like, oh, you guys should check it out. It's sort of forgettable. You know, yeah, as as I said, it's the only one that I had never watched. So I was able to, I always wanted to see it, you know, even though I'd heard it's bad. It's And it's not a terrible, it's not like it's no inept or anything like that, you know. Um, but it's just not particularly exciting. And like I say, it's just so dreary and drab yeah. and... Not like I want bright neon colors, you know, in in this, but I don't know. But, uh, you know, and I would say if you're somebody who is not that familiar with, uh, you know, I don't really know what the ages are of people listening to our show or watching it. But, you know, if you're younger and you weren't around in the in the 80s and the 70s, just watch the first two. Right. You know, you watch the first two and then skip to. Prometheus. I mean, the first two, Prometheus is somewhat controversial, but the first two are are undeniable classics, you know. 
and to see if you only know James Cameron from Avatar or maybe, uh, you know, Titanic, he did some really some other cool sci-fi stuff, you know. Terminator. So, yeah, so I would I'd say skip it, you know, and, unless it's, like I say, unless you want to just be a completist like I wanted to be with this. But, but let's talk about, let's segue into Avatar then. Yeah. So what's interesting so far, and I'm, again, I'm only about 20 minutes in, is it's it's very um, it's interesting. They start they start speaking Navi, and there's subtitles, and the subtitles are in papyrus, the yeah. font. <laughs> I just can't get my head around. Um, and he's like Sam Worthington is now the chief of the clan or whatever he's the muck natal whatever he flew the big thing and he married what's her face and they've got a bunch of kids now so it's a family drama and he's like this military dad and they all call him sir and they all have a variety it switches to english like there's this thing where you got rip and now they're just talking english but they're talking like Middle America English, like if if you had the sound off and you heard the scene where Sam Worthington is berating one of his kids for taking unnecessarily ri- unnecessary risks, he's like, you're grounded, no flying for a month. Like, yes, sir. It's just weird. It's jarring. Mm. And it's appealing to this sort of middle American audience, but everybody's blue and CGI. <laughs> and... And so all the bad guys from the original thing are now coming back to Pandora. They're dead, but they're they're they made an upload of their brains, and so now they're in these genetically engineered Navi. They're not avatars; they're full-on Navi bodies that they have their consciousnesses uploaded into, and they're coming back to get Jake Sully. Um, and it's just a revenge piece now. This is like a three-hour movie. I'm not watching it in the full 3D because I just don't. I don't have that at home. Um, and there were some criticisms of the first one of the sort of noble savage and the kind of Native American two-dimensional stuff they were doing with the first one. And I don't. I don't buck against any of those criticisms. But so far, this one feels remarkably. thin Mm. dialogue wise and sort of choice wise for James Cameron and the the thought that I had last night before I turned it off because I was tired I started watching it late was this is what you've been working on for 20 years right I mean Mm -hmm. it's not that the performances are bad everybody's showing up and, and doing their performances I just thought it's like it could be around the dinner table in Iowa, and I'm just like, what? they they do some sort of. I'm not going to say I'm offended by it, but they do some borderline gestures to like native stuff and ceremonies. It all feels very thin. It all feels very kind of you know gestural, like frosting. And I just was like, we we talked about working on the script. I just. I'm like this is 20 years of your effort. Well, and the I am first finished one, it. I am finished. The, f- the first one 
and I watched it in the theater, and I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever watched it again after that. But you know, that one was kind of the same way, where it wasn't, and and you could, I don't know if this is fair to say or not. I was I was going to say maybe the the weakest aspect of Cameron is his his screenwriting. You know, I mean, visually, he's a brilliant director, and just the stuff that he does with technology that he's always done. You know, going back to Terminator 2, you know, and all of that. But that first one, I think kind of the genius of it and why it did so well. And I don't know if he was cognizant of this at the time or not or betting on this or whatever. But, you know, you had that colonizers versus the indigenous people story which is universal, you know, that's happened all around the world. And I think that's partly why it did so well is it made money everywhere because every, uh, you know, every society can relate to that. And I almost wonder, I kind of doubt it, but maybe this is just how it worked out. But that simplicity, you know, that that's a, a criticism right now as to why we're getting such bad movies is, movies aren't necessarily made for us anymore. They're made for China, you know, and they're made for these other big markets. And so that simplicity plays well for making it a worldwide hit. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I hadn't thought of that. I don't, I, like I say, I don't know if, if Cameron is sitting down and saying, hey, I'm going to make this really simple so that people all around the world can understand it. I, I don't know, but. I hadn't but I that. think that's that definitely makes what sense yeah that's why the first one partly why the first one did so well just because it was a I'm not I'm not saying it was like it did well because it was a bad script but it did well because it was a universal story that everybody could understand and you know if that, that's one of the reasons why we're not getting um, comedies like we did when when we were kids because comedies don't don't work globally because different cultures don't necessarily get the jokes, you know? Yeah. Um, That's a little Like I say, I, I think Cameron, you know, I'm not going out on a limb to, to say that he thinks very highly of himself. So I don't know that he would just be like, well, I'm purposely going to write a mediocre script just so people get it, you know, but... But maybe that's just how it's worked out. I, I no, don't know. that makes a ton of sense when you say that. I hadn't thought of that before because I think, if anything, he's trying to top his own box office smashing, sure. record smashing. Like <laughs> the guy has broken his own record time and time again, and I think the way to do that now is to reach global audiences. Right? Yeah. It's not just a U.S. audience anymore, and. Yeah, I think it needs to appeal to the widest base, big family. He's a father that maybe cares too much, you know, caring for his mm -hmm. kids. Again, this is just the first 25 minutes, um, you know, get in the way of his leadership because he cares so much about his kids. and that That translates to any culture. Now, do you – this is the thing that I wondered about is, you know, seeing it at home, does it – because I'm sure if you saw this on a big screen in 3D and all that, it probably is pretty amazing. But watching it at home, is the CGI convincing or does it look like a cartoon? It looks like a cartoon. Okay. I think. And that's that's where I 
I don't know if I'm going to be able to sit and watch three hours of that and be into it. I mean, I turned it off. I'm going to go back to it because it's on HBO, but um, I think these movies are designed to see an IMAX in 3D. I think that's, Mm -hmm. I saw the first one in IMAX in 3D and it blew me away. Yeah. I could see the criticisms. I get it. I mean, it wasn't, you know, Hamlet. Uh, but it was technically the visual amazing. effects were just absolutely transportational, and I think with this one they go into the water, and it's supposedly the reviews I read were like on that in that aspect he's outdone himself again. Uh, so mm-hmm. until I he comes back to the theater and I can put on the goggles or whatever and go see it, I'm not going to get that experience. But yeah. And I now that's where I would praise Cameron is I wit you know he obviously wants people to have the theatrical experience you know he doesn't he's not making movies for you to watch on your right. phone or your tablet right. or whatever right. and I wish in, in another cynical way I really feel like you know I I feel like every episode I bash Marvel or whatever but you you very much get the feeling with the CG and so much of the other films that we're getting now that it's that are just like, eh, it looks good enough. Who cares? Hmm. It's only got to be, you know, this doesn't, we don't care if anybody is going to like this in 30 years. You know, we just want to make money right now. Right. And, and I think if all of, even though, you know, you're saying it looks like a cartoon at home, I think if all, all of these films they were putting the kind of work in the Cameron is visually all these big budget movies would be a lot better yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Perhaps if they're so. not going to put work into the script, they could at least <laughs> right. look good, you know? Right. Uh, so yeah. Uh, I wanted to tell you about something. Did you want to say anything more about Avatar? Nope. Or? Yeah. I mean that, and that was what I would have guessed was that, uh, I don't know because I, I it popped up. I saw you know that it's available to watch at home, and I thought oh, maybe, but I don't know. Um, I've been watching, and it's a little bit funny. I've never watched the boys, uh, the the series, the boys, but yeah. they've now done an animated spinoff. Oh, really? Uh, and it's great. Um, but you so haven't seen the live action. I haven't seen the live action, <laughs> and I I I know the gist of it, you know. But so they I have think you'd done like a, the live action, actually. Yeah, I, I probably would. This is the thing that the animated thing is great. They're all like fifteen minutes long each episode, you know. And it's in their it's an anthology where they're just individual stories, and they've gotten different uh, uh, different filmmakers and their different styles. So they got, I mean, he's uh, you know kind of. Uh, damaged goods right now but uh justin roiland or whatever his name is from uh rick and morty rick and morty he did an episode um so it's you know it's written by him and it's that rick and morty style i mean you look at it and you're like oh it's it's the rick and morty guy and then uh aquafina did one that's just straight up like real cutesy anime style but it's you know people being beheaded and stuff you know and uh, then there's another one that's a more, um, I, I don't know what you would call it, but just a more uh, sort of realistic animation style. But but they're all, you know, it's all hand-drawn or it looks like hand-drawn. None of them have been CG and they're really good. I mean, it's the same thing where it's, uh, 
you know, it's super gory and yeah. kind of gross and, and all that, but, but it's really good. And it's, it's just like eight, eight or 10, you know, 15 minute uh, episodes. I've watched three or four of them and they were all, they were all really good. Is that why you haven't waded into the live action? It just feels like too much commitment. Yeah, I, that's how I am with just shows in general. I start. I don't know if I told you or not, but I started. Um, it was weird. No one has talked about. I haven't heard any discussion or seen anything online uh, about the the third season of The Mandalorian. I don't know why it kind of just. I don't know if there's just too much stuff or what, but I didn't hear. And I've talked to a couple of friends who were into the first couple of seasons, who have said. Oh, it started, and I'm like, yeah, it's it's already done. Um, but I started watching it. I've only watched three episodes, and it's basically just him and Baby Yoda just running around doing it, which is fine. I don't need a giant, which I know it's going to get bigger as the season goes on. But right now, it's just Baby Yoda being cute and Mandalor, you know, Mando going on missions with him, and it's great. <laughs> you know, I don't need more than that, but. I, but I have a hard time with series in general because I even stuff that that happened with Stranger Things. I loved the first season. I watched two or three episodes of the of the second season and just never got back to it. And then I skipped to the last season. Yeah. So uh, things that are an hour long or forty five minutes long, and there's eight or ten of them. I'd I'd rather just watch a two hour movie, you know. So, but. Uh, uh, but this, the, I mean, if you like the boys, you should watch this animated. All thing. right, it's I'll fun. check it out. You know, um, uh, so yeah, but uh, and they've got a lot of you know big stars doing the voiceovers and everything. So, but have you watched anything else other than? Uh, I've started watching Avatar? Barry, and I've started watching Somebody Somewhere, and both of those series I'm enjoying enormously. I I only watched the first season of Barry, but I liked it. I heard a. Um, have you ever listened to the the Smartless podcast? No. So it is. Uh, Will, is it Will Forte, um, and. Uh, Jason Bateman, and then the, I can't think of what the guy's name is, but he was on Will and Grace. It's the three of them together, and it's kind of funny because it's like our little podcast has gotten to be this big deal, and it's like you just you're three big stars that just interview your friends, you know. Um, but they had Bill Hader on there, and it, it was super interesting. I don't know if you know any of his background, mm -mm. but he it's not like he was a comedian. I mean, this is what how it worked out that he was a comedian and then went on to be a director, but he went to Hollywood to be a director. That was his goal. And he kind of fell into SNL. He was doing, uh, I think he was doing second city in LA and somebody there knew Lauren Michaels and was like, Oh, you're really funny. We could probably get you a, uh, an audition with him. And he was like, Oh, you know, that'd be cool. And he did it. And he said for like the first first four seasons, he had horrible stage fright and was just terrified all the time. But he said what he was really interested in, he would go and hang out with the Lonely Island guys. And, you know, they would do those digital shorts and he would just go and watch what they did because he wanted to direct. And, you know, they would put him. He's super funny. So they would put him in some of that stuff. But but his 
you know, it wasn't like the actor who was like, oh, I've decided I'm going to direct now. That's right. what he's always wanted to do. Interesting. So, yeah. But it's, that that's a guy where it's just like he has all the talent. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's super funny, you know, and he could, you know, he writes and directs that show. Um, I don't, I don't think he writes it entirely, but, and, and he did a, when he was pitching it, uh, in the pitch meeting with, with HBO, they were like, well, who's going to direct it? And he was like, well, I can direct it. And he'd never directed anything before basically. And they were like, nah. you know, and they got somebody, his agent or somebody talked him into it, but, but that's pretty interesting that, you know, and it's a good show. It is a good show. It's interesting because yeah. it's very funny, but it's also very dark. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm enjoying uh, it. I just finished the first season and I'm, I've started the second season and um excited to see where it goes. You would like Fargo too. I've heard that from many, many people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not the Coen brothers. Um, and it feels very different from the Coen Brothers, but it's also, it's that same kind of tone where there, there's humor in it, but it's also really but dark. But without that movie, the the series wouldn't exist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but they, the guy just kind of created his own world, you know, spun off of that. So, well, we are so, yeah. at time, my friend. Why don't we call it? Do you have a sense of what sure. you want to do next time? Mm, I don't have any. I think we might have to just talk about that off mic because I don't have anything. All right, baby. Specific. I don't know if there's anything. There's stuff coming up. Like I, I still, uh, I had dinner with my sister on Friday, and she's still, um, she really wants to see Guard- Guardians of the Galaxy, which I still haven't seen, and uh, so we might go and see that at some point. I really want to see the Spider-Man into the into the Spider Verse, whatever the title yeah, of it is, because that maybe. that first one was fantastic, and yeah. people are saying this is like an empire strikes back kind of a thing where it's, mm-hmm. you know, even better than the original. Wow. Um, you know, where some people are saying like, it's one of the best animated movies ever made, you wow. know, so, which is pretty high praise, but that first yeah. one was great. So yeah, high praise indeed. Uh, and then we've got Indiana Jones coming up, but for next week, I don't, I don't know. Well, we'll figure it out folks. We will. Uh, Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. That is our handle. We're on the socials. Like, subscribe, leave a comment. All of the good things that we like uh, to have you do. Um, We're going to figure out what we're going to talk about next time offline. But come back and be surprised by our pick. Sometimes we like to surprise people. Uh, Sometimes we do. Um, Yeah. Thanks for joining us, whether you're on YouTube or listening to us on your favorite podcast app. We have been doing this for almost three years now. Yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah. Um, I love it. Uh, it. So I guess unless you have anything else you'd like to add. I don't think so. We will talk to you next week, baby.